Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lies. Where I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo. Joined tonight by my co-host, Matt Filippovitz. Matt, what's going on? Bill, I have a new favorite show. And I've never watched what any of any show in this shared universe. This is my first time watching it. But I'm obsessed with The Golden Bachelor. Bill, it is so good. <laughs> the lead, Gary, is from Indiana. And I was just, like, hanging out today. And I just started randomly thinking about how every single thing that happens, he just goes, Wow! That's so special. And I've been thinking about that all day. I've never seen a bachelor property outside of this, but I am so hooked on The Golden Bachelor. I've, I've never been a big bachelor or bachelor cinematic universe uh, person, but Golden Bachelor, I will admit, that's the first one that I... Because, like, all those shows, it's so, like... Like, I, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it's not fake. It's nothing like that. But, like, there does seem Forced. like there's something... Yeah, there does seem like there's something a lot more genuine about, like, people who are a little bit later in life looking for all that. Like, it does seem, uh, it does seem nice, but it does, it, I, I'm assuming it's a funny, uh, interesting, all these sorts of things television show. I, I just love the fact that, like, again, anything that happens, the lead is just like, that's so special. Oh, wow. It's just, it's yeah, kept, man. everything that happens. It's so wholesome and I am loving it. Well, uh, I think it's time that we dive into talking about something else that's pretty special, and that is uh, the big, the the big game in the world of college football this weekend. Everything, everything in this Big Ten season has been building up towards what is going to happen this upcoming Saturday, which is the number seven Penn State Nittany Lions are heading to Columbus to take on the number three Ohio State Buckeyes. Both of these teams are 6-0 and going into the game. It's a noon kick on Fox because Fox decided they were going to make noon games their important ones. And the the line has slowly been moving down. I believe it opened with Ohio State as six-point favorites. I think it's now down to Ohio State as four-point favorites. And Matt, I, before we talk about, you know, Penn State, the, the game itself uh, as a single isolated college football game between a pair of undefeated teams, Let's take a step back and talk about this game a little bit more broadly. What are just kind of your general thoughts on on this game, this thing that, for all intents and purposes, this entire Penn State season and the last maybe two or three Penn State seasons have been building towards this Saturday? Yeah, if you think back to it, the last time Penn State lost a football game was against Ohio State just about a year ago at this point. It feels like the last year has been building to this. And I'm so excited this game is getting to happen in a primetime slate, quote-unquote primetime. I think there's a lot of interesting layers to this. You know, first of all, you're going to hear about it all week if you haven't already. It's Drew Aller's homecoming to Ohio. Despite what Ryan Day said in his press conference, he definitely offered Drew Aller once Quinn Ewers hightailed out of Columbus to go back down to Texas. So there's that element of it all. There's the element of, at least that I don't think is being talked about enough, Larry Johnson, Ohio State's defensive line coach, against Dion Barnes. One of his, probably, what do you think, Bill, is Dion Larry's last really great Penn State defensive lineman success story, like a decade ago? Um, oh, God. Uh, Larry's, la- Larry's, Larry's last year, year would have been 2013, and Dion's um, Big Ten freshman of the year defensively would have been 2012. So they mm. have some history together, okay. for sure. No, I didn't yeah, think about it that. Feels yeah, feels like a... Yeah, it feels like a passing of the torch on that front, especially with what the Penn State pass rush 
has evolved into and what the Ohio State pass rush just frankly hasn't been this year. There's also the element of James Franklin feels like there's good vibes around his team while Ryan Day is going after Lou Holtz and looks stressed on the sideline. There's just a lot of layers to this matchup, and I think I think the ratings are going to show it. Not that any of us care about college football ratings, but Penn State and Ohio State are probably two of the five biggest brands in college football, and it's going to lead, I think, to a monster matchup on Saturday. Yeah, and, I, and all I could think about is you look back to the last time that Penn State was a really serious player in the Big Ten. Penn State's had some really great teams over these last, you know, since 2016 when they won the Big Ten. 2017 is probably the last team that went into the game against Ohio State looking, feeling, seeming like we can beat these guys and we can win the Big Ten. And we could use this game as a springboard to win the Big Ten or make the playoff mm-hmm. or whatever else. And they lost that game by one. The years after that, 2018 game in Happy Valley, that was a very, very good Penn State team. But I think at the time we all knew it was Trace and a bunch of guys who just weren't quite at Trace's level yet. And they overperformed in that game for yeah, sure. That was, they lost, was that true freshman Pat Fryermuth and redshirt freshman KJ Hamler? Something like, like that. That was, that was young playmakers yeah. then. Yeah. And Trace played the be- probably the best game I had ever seen a Penn State quarterback play, and they lost by one point. 2019, Penn State was a really, really good football team. Um, I don't, I, I don't remember off the top of my head what their record was going into that game, but I rem- they they had one loss. They lost to Minnesota, I believe, the week prior, the, back in 2019. Back in tw- okay, uh, play up no uh, Minnesota. Then they beat Indiana, and then they went to Columbus it. for their penultimate game of the season. Weird game. Um, by that point, it was already pretty obvious that Penn State just wasn't quite on Ohio State's level. And they gave Ohio State a challenge. I believe that was the weird game where um, where Will Levis ended up having to come in because Sean Clifford got hurt, ended up losing by 11 mm-hmm. points. 2020, the Indiana loss had kind of taken the shine off of that season already. 2021, I, I, I mean, 20, God, 2021, that was the week after they lost to Illinois. Uh, so I don't think anyone went into that game thinking Penn State was going to like win a national championship or anything. And then 2022, they had already lost to Michigan by the time that they played Ohio State, and they end up losing that game 44-31. It's closer in the score indicates blah, blah, blah. So all I can think about, Matt, is how this is something that James Franklin specifically has been building towards, working towards, and aspiring towards since 2017 this is a game where for all the stuff he says about we want to go want to know this week we're just focused on this week blah 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 there's no way and i i I believe they've alluded to this a time or two there is they have gotten ahead they have paid some attention to ohio state they understand the significance of this game and now that opportunity is here and like i'm not going to say that this is going to like define the next five years of penn state football or anything like that. But this is something that just as someone who has been an observer of James Franklin for the last decade of my life and his life, I want him to get it. I want this to be the game where he finally is able to get over a hump that has existed, not because necessarily his team isn't good enough, but because this is just the big bad wolf in the world of college football. 
yeah, this is a game. If you think back, the the joke around James Franklin is that he can't win the big one. Yeah, he can't perform on the road against top 10 teams, blah, blah, blah. Show me a coach who can. But that stems back from blowing that lead in 2017. And we don't have to rehash a game that happened over half a decade ago, but injuries really started to pile up. That team still had sanction elements around it just in terms of trying to redshirt guys still and who was actually available, blah, blah, blah. But you can shake a lot of that. Mm-hmm. You're not really going to ever convince you know trolls on the internet that Penn State and James Franklin are what we think they are. But if you go out there and if you beat the Buckeyes in Columbus when both of you are undefeated, I think it really shows that the program has taken a lot of steps and are now, I think, in a much healthier spot than they were even going back to 2017. Yeah, and it's not just James Franklin. Like, it's storybook. Storybook stuff if Drew Aller can be the quarterback who finally knocks off Ohio State. Like Mike and Mike Yersich. I was just about to say Mike Yersich, an Ohio native. Yep. Ohio native, Mm -hmm. also someone who spent a year as the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Ohio State back in Mm -hmm. 2019, which I I, that was uh, Ryan Day's first year uh, as the full time head coach at uh, at Ohio State, and he left after a year to go to Texas, and then he came to Penn State. This is a place where he has wanted to be. Like that. There's just Is so it? much in this game. These programs are just like inherently always go. You you know, Ohio State's main rival is Michigan. I, I, Penn State doesn't have the kind of defined one main rival. If you want to say it's Pitt, go ahead and say it's Pitt. But it doesn't have something like Ohio State has Michigan. These mm-hmm. two teams, by nature of how good they are, by nature of how, you know, how big this game is, are always going to be in one another's way. And this is a chance for Penn State with a whole lot of guys who have that little extra something about wanting to beat Ohio State specifically to say, Mm -hmm. you're in our way. And we've been waiting for this for years, Matt. It's finally here. What are just your kind of general thoughts on this game when you kind of start to distill them down a little bit and you think about, Penn State's offense against Ohio State's defense, Ohio State's offense against Penn State's defense, special teams, uh, little other things uh, that just pop into your mind. Yeah, I think this game is going to be a an old-school Big Ten slugfest, which we're not really used to in Penn State-Ohio State games. And, you know, I'll kind of take this question, Bill, kind of where, where I want to go with it, to be frank. So I'll start with Ohio State's offense I thought you were against mad. the Penn State defense. What? I thought you were mad. Oh, I see. Ah, Funny. Ah. Got me. Um, so uh, the Ohio State offense is definitely talented. There's too much talent on that team to not deliver a good amount of points. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best receiver in college football, bar none. Emeka Ibuka, I really hope he's healthy. It's always cool to watch cool players go out there and and make plays in big games. Like, take out the Penn State of it all. I never want to see a guy get hurt. Yeah. Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams, I know Mayan Williams has kind of fallen to the wayside a little bit, and Chip Trainum has now emerged, but... Excuse me. If Henderson can play and if he's healthy, that's a humongous boost. Kyle McCord is not C.J. Stroud. He's not Justin Fields. This is the first time, Bill, probably since J.T. Barrett, that Ohio State is a quarterback that's gettable. Behind an offensive line, that is gettable. So I think Penn State's defense is going to come out there from snap one 
and try to throw Kyle McCord off of his rhythm. I think that Manny Diaz understands that Kate Stover, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Mecca Ibuka, should he be able to play, are going to get theirs no matter what. You can try to cover them. You can try to double them. It's probably not going to work. But I'm willing to bet what will work is blitzing Kyle McCord and going out there and trying to make him make a mistake and underthrow a ball. Make him get rid of the ball a second too early and have to throw it away. That's, I think, where this game is going to be won in the Penn State pass rush going out there and performing the way that we know that they can. Ohio State's run game really hasn't been that great. I think that's kind of a byproduct of a, of a pretty mid-offensive line, if we're being honest. But Penn State's playing some phenomenal run defense right now. Illinois and Iowa, two teams that want to run the football more than they want to breathe a lot of the time, neither of them combined were able to reach 100 yards. Like, the combined totals of those games, they didn't hit 100 yards. So... That's a lot of Zane Durant, that's a lot of Hakeem Beeman, that's a lot of Keziah Izzard, and that's a lot of Kobe King emerging in the middle of that defense and being stout run defenders. So the story of this game, Bill, and I'll say it right off the top, I guess, right off the top of a, at the end of a 15-minute rant, but Penn State's defense, I think for the first time, is the best individual unit in this game. For a decade, it was the Ohio State offense. I really believe this Penn State defense is the best in the country, just from what we've seen. You can say whatever you want about their opponents. You can only really perform against who you played, and Penn State's playing some phenomenal defense right now, and they've been playing lights out. So I think Penn State's defense has to go out there and dictate this game, and if they can get Kyle McCord off of rhythm a little bit, I think they have a really good shot to pull off the upset. Yeah, it's been the interesting part of analyzing this game is McCord is certainly the Ohio State, like a step down at quarterback for Ohio State. But I do think that says more about who Ohio State has had a quarterback compared to him. If you look at him, oh, he's something sure. like, uh, I think, six, he, he's top 20 or so nationally in uh, quarterback rating. He is sixth in QBR. Uh, I don't have his PFF rating up here, but it's actually lower than Drew Allers. So the first time PFF has ever been useful. Uh, that has been uh, <laughs> a nice thing to see. But the thing with this Ohio State offense is it has its flaws. It is an offense that you can get, I think, behind the sticks and you can get into situations that maybe aren't white as advantageous for them, get them off schedule a bit. They're down to 10th nationally in offensive SP+, plus, which, again, for Ohio State is not something you might expect. And That's you, unheard of. Yeah. yeah. And you look at some of the areas where it's it, it's weird with them. 39th nationally in uh, quarterback sack percentage, percentage. McCord's getting sacked every 4.76% of the time when he drops back. So one in every 20 or so. Uh, dropbacks. He's getting sacked. He's actually gotten sacked three times in each of the last two games. They're yeah, not... Ohio State, real quick, though, because I have it in front of me. Ohio Go State ahead. has allowed 10 sacks on the season. Penn State has registered 27 sacks, and that 4.5 sacks per game is tops in the nation yeah. for Penn State's defense. And you look at their yards per rush, they're at about 4.2 yards per rush, which is just slightly better than Penn State, but you look at their main backs, Travion Henderson at 6.7 yards per attempt, Chip Trainum at 4.6 yards per attempt, Mayan Williams at 3.8 yards per attempt, Dallin Hayden 6.9 yards per attempt. They like to use Devin Brown as like a short yardage quarterback, but that's like 
he's he's a nice option there, but he's certainly not a guy who breaks the game open. Kyle McCord, uh, not, you know, he can move a little, Aller-ish, he can move a little bit, not the most comfortable yep. thing in the world for him. But Devin Brown did have a red zone package last yeah. week. Uh, and it's also weird because he wears number, I think, 33. So when he trots out there, it's like, oh, cool, new running back. And then I have to remind myself, it's some five-star quarterback yeah, who just happens to wear that number. Paying tribute to uh, Sammy Ball with that. But mm-hmm. you you look at that stuff, and what I think Ohio, what is going to define this game for Ohio, when Ohio State has the ball versus Penn State's defense, they have to run the ball between the tackles. And the reason that I say they have to run it between the tackles is that their tackles are not great. Josh Fryer, Josh Simmons, a pair of transfers haven't really been stellar this season. And I think Penn State's edge rushers and blitz packages are going to put a lot on them specifically. But the inside of Ohio State's offensive line, Donovan Jackson, Carson Hinsman, Matthew Jones, a little more stout and Donovan Jackson might be the best guard Penn State's going to play all year. He's like up there with Zach Frazier at West Virginia for like the best interior offensive lineman in Penn State might see I, this year. I think the inside of West Virginia's offensive line is a bit better, but I do think this is a, a good unit. And I say all of that to say this. If Ohio State can't run the ball consistently between the tackles, and I have some concerns about uh, Penn State's defensive tackles holding up. Zane Durant has been... Uh, doing a nice job. Devon Ellis had a good game last week, but this is still a test for a group that is going to have that reputation of being a little bit thin and easy to push around until they get to show in a game like this. I don't think Ohio State can play a horizontal football game. And what I mean by that, I don't think they can try to run off tackle, try to get to the edge because Penn State's speed there is too much for them. I don't think if they th- when they throw the football, they could do a lot of throwing at behind the line of scrimmage because Penn State's defense is fast enough to get out there. I think the thing that we are going to need to watch for Penn State's de- defense are two things. One, uh, well, three things. One, what I just mentioned about running the ball. Two, Ohio State's ability to throw the football down the field, especially if Igbuka can't play. Then they're relying on Julian Fleming across... Uh, alongside Marvin Harrison. They're looking to a guy like Xavier Johnson. They're looking to maybe one of their young receivers to be able to step in and do some stuff there. And if this turns into a game, Matt, where Penn State's defense can speed up McCord, he's not able to get the time to throw down the field that he wants to have. And they can't consistently run the football. I don't know if all of that is going to happen, but if Penn State could do a bit of that, if Penn State can just get the timing off a tiny bit, if they can hold Ohio State to three, three and a half yards per rush, something in that vicinity, if Harrison is able to get his, but not in like a destructive way, and nobody else really has that kind of monster secondary performance alongside him, I think Penn State's defense will put this game there for the taking. Yeah, and I think that's the best way to put it. Penn State's defense can do everything they can to try to win this game, but they're going to need help from the mm-hmm. offense. And with how good this Penn State defense is, and again with how not I, I don't want to I don't want to get attacked by Ohio State fans in our YouTube comments. With how not top two in the country Ohio State's offense is, they're still top ten probably, but they're not top two. Uh, I, I think this is just a very it's the best shot I think they're going to have 
to be able to really dictate the play of the game when Ohio State's offense is on the field. And a lot of that is going to come back to their playmakers have to go out there and they have to make plays for Penn State. Mm-hmm. Kalen King has to, if, if a shot comes to pick off a ball, Kalen King cannot drop it. If a chance comes to go out there and, and bring McCord down behind the line of scrimmage, Abdul Carter, Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, Denai Dennis Sutton, they can't miss it. If there's a chance to blow up a screen pass like Kalen King did a great job of last year, they have to make sure they go out there and they make those plays. Again, they can set the table, but the Penn State offense has to be the one to bring them home. And I want to read a quote that uh, you mentioned King specifically. I want to uh, read a quote that he gave to PFF uh, over the offseason on matching up against Harrison. I'm very excited to go up against him. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a very good player. He's got all the intangibles from size, speed, catch radius, and run after catch. That's the perfect challenge for me, and that's the challenge I need to put myself up against if I want to be the top in the country. That matchup is very important, and I can't wait for it. And then Harrison actually quote tweeted that with a handshake emoji. So I think these two are really going. They're they're going to bring their A games here. Um, oh yeah. One, two little quick things I want to note about Ohio State. One, they're one of the best second mm-hmm. second quarter scoring teams in the country. They that's their money quarter. Five point yeah. four points in the. Fr- on average in the first quarter, 11.6 in the second quarter, and 9.6 in the third and fourth quarters. Penn State's going to get Ohio State's best punch after Ohio State takes a couple of drives to start to figure things out and then gets into the locker room. And I think if they can get to halftime and they have kind of set the tone in this game, again, Penn State is second nationally in sack percentage of 14.02%. 14.02% of dropbacks, they are getting back to the quarterback. And Ohio State has sh- been good. a little bit susceptible to allowing McCord to get sacked. You know, he's not the most mobile guy. He's a bit of a statuesque in the pocket, that sort of thing. If they can do that, if they, they have to do that, they have to avoid the couple of big plays that are like backbreakers. And mm-hmm. they have to understand that Ohio State is not a team that is going to hold onto the football forever. The Buckeyes have had the ball about 48.88% of the time this season, which is 84th nationally. Notre Dame had the ball for 35 minutes against them. And unsurprisingly, Ohio State's offense was a bit of a jumbled mess in that game against Notre Dame. It it was, uh, you know, Notre Dame did kind of hand them that game with how they played defense on the final drive. But leading up, but on on the day, 17 points, 366 yards of total offense, only 19 first downs. Ran for 4.7 yards per attempt, threw for 6.3 uh, yards per attempt. Egbuka was actually, uh, Egbuka and Sover were actually their top targets on the day. Harrison only had three catches for 32 yards. Like, there is a blueprint, mm-hmm. I think, for beating this Ohio State team, Matt. Um, oh, for sure. Is, is there any one matchup between player players that you were watching particularly closely in this one? I mean, it's it's really not. It's hard to pinpoint this as like a direct matchup, but I, Kate Stover, and, and James Franklin sung his praises earlier today in his press conference, but I've been really impressed with Kate Stover, and I think he can really thrive as kind of a forgotten man in that offense, especially with, again, what Ohio State has out wide. But KJ Winston against Kate Stover, I think that's going to be cool. That's a big, hard-hitting safety, and I, I know it's not always going to be where Winston's lined up, even on the field, uh, over Stover, but... That's a little, little one for the few plays I'm sure we're going to see of that. That's one I'm fascinated to watch. Yeah, I'm I'm actually very interested in seeing whoever their second wide receiver is. Because I think we could say with some confidence, uh, Her- Kalen King is going to be in Marvin Harrison Jr.'s back pocket all game. And then whoever their slot receiver... I think Dixon could get some run there, too. Yeah. I, 
I think Dixon is an awesome player. I think you need to have Kalen King on him as much as possible, unless Harrison can take him off him. And then whoever, my guess is Daquan Hardy. Uh, Ohio State likes to put Ekbuka in the slot. My guess is that's going to be Daquan Hardy's uh, matchup. Or if he's not there, Xavier Johnson, whoever it's going to be. I'm interested in whoever mm-hmm. that's, that second outside receiver is for Ohio State going up against Johnny Dixon. Because Dixon has flown under the radar a bit this year. Whether it's Julian Fleming, whether it's somebody else, I just really want to see if Dixon can kind of take that away and make McCord. You force him to stare down Harrison or Ibuka because he knows he can't get that third guy, and that makes the jobs of everybody else a little bit easier. He waits a little bit longer for one of them to get open. He throws the ball a little bit too early because the pass rush again. Just all those things are... It's a lot. I think it's going to be... I'm more excited. I'm definitely more excited about this than I am the other side of the football. We'll get into why in a second. Uh, But first, I think we need to talk a little bit, Matt, about home field apparel. Uh, Yes, they've been our sponsor of the pod from the very, very beginning uh, of us being podcast only. They've been making some absolutely incredible things for your Penn State collection or your whatever else collection. They have a number of other teams uh, from throughout the world of college athletics. So if you're uh, the kind of Penn State fan who went to Slippery Rock, but Penn State's always been your team. They have a hell of a Slippery Rock collection. If you're a, it's cool. If you're a yeah. Youngstown State graduate who loves Ohio State and you're listening to this podcast, they're Youngstown State. Go collection. Penguins! First of Go all, Penguins. Go Penguins! Their Youngstown State collection is awesome. And Matt, I've actually heard from a little birdie, we're going to have something new coming to the Penn State collection in the coming days. Am I allowed to say what it is? Uh, I'm like 95 percent sure. Let me. Let me make sure I'm not going to get anyone mad at me. Because uh, I, I think we have the same can little I, birdie. Can I tease it on the pod? And I was told <laughs> yes. So uh, how about this? Instead of saying exactly what it is, drop a hint or two on what it is going to be. Um, I don't know how to drop a hint for this. It's uh, cool guys you see like in the background of TV shows are wearing these. And I think they look really cool. Khakis. Cool. Uh so yeah, uh, not actually khakis. You'll you'll see what's coming in the coming days. Make sure you're keeping an eye out for with home field apparel. They're great for fall. They, great this for will fall. elevate your fall fit, no doubt about like it. Like we yeah. said, khakis. Keep an eye out for what uh, they're going to have coming <laughs> in the next few days. Make sure you keep an eye out for everything that home field apparel has coming. I'm already uh, I'm going to be buying uh, something from their Penn State collection uh, sooner rather than later. I'm going to be picking up. They have this 1995 roses uh, long sleeve. Uh, crew neck that is fantastic. I can't wait to add that. It's awesome to my collection. I'm sure all of you can't wait to add more home field apparel stuff to your collection. And if you were a first time uh, user of home field apparel, if you've never bought something from them before, use the promo code RLR23 for 50% off of your first order. Again, first time users, if you want to use the promo code RLR23, you'll get 50% off of your first order. Thank you, as always, to Home Field Apparel for sponsoring the podcast. And Matt, let's talk about the other side of the football. Penn State getting the ball against this Ohio State defense. And this is this might come off a of sacrilege. This is something that I think uh, you're not going to like hearing from me. I think Ohio's with one major, major exception, and that is their ability to get after a quarterback. I think Ohio State's defense is just a half step behind Penn State's. And I am worried about what that means for Penn State's deep offense going up against them. 
that's fair to say. I think the pass rush is definitely the perceived weakness, or just the definite weakness, I guess. I have it pulled up right here. Ohio State has only registered 10 sacks on the season. Again, Penn State is 27. That's a big difference. Uh, and to Penn State's credit, they've only allowed four sacks on the season, which is one of the best in the nation. So take that into account. But yeah, Bill, the Ohio State defense under Jim Knowles, I believe also a Pennsylvania native. Yes. I think he's from Philadelphia. He's from Philadelphia County, I, I want to so. say. Has been awesome. He, it, it's really also pretty funny that uh, Mike Gundy had Mike Yursich and Jim Knowles and could never really do all that much with it. That's pretty funny. Um, they probably didn't overlap at the same time, but still, that's a that's an impressive uh, assistant coach hall. Uh, but yeah, Jim Knowles has really turned this defense around. There's always been ball players on it, but now Ohio State's defense is playing like a unit that can help them get to a national championship, not just a unit that can get you by while your offense leads the way. I just give big credit to Ryan Day for finding or realizing he can hire Jim Knowles and to Jim Knowles for building a defense that's been really, really productive this year. Yeah, and the the thing about Ohio State's defense, I'm going to read off a couple of stats here because I think they really highlight how good this Ohio State defense has been. Opponent touchdowns per game. Penn State allows one touchdown a game. Ohio State allows 1.2. That's second and third nationally, respectively. Opponent yards per play. Penn State allows 3.2. Ohio State allows 3.9. That's first and second nationally, respectively. Uh, I forgot to put down what this mark is. Uh, but opponent yards per rush attempt, Penn State's at 2.1, Ohio State's at 3.2. Opponent completion percentage, Penn State's at 51.06%, which is first nationally. Ohio State is 51.55%, which is second nationally. Opponent passer rating, Penn State is 85.7, which is first nationally. Ohio State is 96.1, which is second nationally. They are tied at first with 4.9 yards per attempt through the air. They are tied at fifth with 9.5 yards per completion through the air. So, I say all of that to say this, Matt. When I look at this Penn State offense, you mentioned that Penn State's defense is the best unit in the game. I think by some margin, Penn State's offense is the worst unit of the four main units in this game. Penn State's offense is the worst unit. And I I I can see how they're able to punish and get some stuff over on this Ohio State defense. I just think it's going to be a lot more difficult than I think a lot of people have made it out to be. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. I was trying to think how I want to word this or when I even want to bring this up, but I'll just bring it up now. I'll rip the Band-Aid off. Penn State played Ohio State last year, I think better than anybody in the country not named Georgia or Michigan. And that's a triumph for Penn well, State, that's, considering... Uh, I was going to say, that's also kind of what you expect out of Penn State, even with, like, you look at who they played last... Uh, Ohio State played last season. They It was a Notre Dame team that lost to Marshall, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Michigan right. State, Iowa, Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland, Michigan, Georgia. Penn State should play them better than anybody else. Right, fair, fair point. But with all that being said, Penn State went out there, they outgained Ohio State. And I think that Ohio State offense last year was better than the Ohio State offense this year. They controlled time of possession, not by much, but Penn State held the ball more than Ohio State. I would not have expected that, considering, again, what that Ohio State team was last year. There's one area that Penn State lost the game in for me, and that's that they turned the ball over. Since 2018, I think Penn State has thrown seven interceptions in this game. I think Ohio State is either at zero or one. The turnovers are what killed Penn State in that game last year. 
considering the talent of their teams, James Franklin outcoached Ryan Day last year. And we won't get into why, and we won't get into the quarterback of it all, but Penn State had a quarterback last year that put the ball in danger. It led to more exciting plays and a more exciting style of offense. At the same time, it led to four turnovers against Ohio State last year. I don't believe Drew Aller has four turnovers in him. I don't believe Drew Aller has maybe two turnovers in him. He's been so outstanding at taking care of the football, and that's the most important thing in this game for both offenses. I think Drew Aller understands that the football is the winning, is the win. If you control the football, you win the game. And by not turning over the football like he has done for six games so far, the first time started thing for me now is out the window. He's been around for two years. He's now had half a season under his belt. Now he is an experienced quarterback in the Big Ten. And I think that he has to control the football, and I believe that he will. And when he does that, and if he does that, Penn State can control the flow of this game, keep the Ohio State offense off the field, and do just enough to get him over the finish line. But it's all going to come back to doing something they just couldn't do the last three years, and that's not turn the ball over. There are, so I'll disagree to an extent in two ways. One, okay. Ohio State got it at yards per play, and, and Penn State ran 20 more plays than Ohio State did last year. Ohio State outgained them by another 1.5 yards per play, 7.5 yards per play to 6 yards per play. So basically, Penn State, they outgained Ohio State off of volume. And I think... Right. Yeah, but that's usually hold, hold, hold how it's going to go. I think that volume yeah. is generally going to be there or can generally be them for the, there for them. It's just going to... It, it's really going to rely on, I think, Penn State's ability to run the football. And then one other thing that I don't think gets brought up nearly enough when talking about last year's game compared to this year's game is that I think the right side of Penn State's offensive line is just world's best. The left side of the oh, line, yeah. I'm a little, I'm very worried about Vega Yuane having to go up against uh, the interior of Ohio State's defense, Ty Hamilton, Tyreek Williams, Michael Hall, a good group of players in the center mm -hmm. of that Buckeye defense. And I think they can win there. But off the edges, where JT uh, Tuiamolo uh, and Jack Sawyer can impact the game and make big plays, because that's part of it with the turnovers last year. Was Clifford is kind of a sit and duck back there because JTT is blowing by Bryce Effner. I don't think that is going to be there into in this game in large part because for whatever reason Ohio State has just really struggled at pitting their ears back and getting to the quarterback. Four point seven three percent sack percentage, a hundred and fourth nationally, and they are now going to be going up against Olu Fashanu, who has been spectacular as a pass blocker his entire collegiate career and Caden Wallace who has mm -hmm. taken steps forward in that regard and there's one other guy well well I'll mention him here in a second you look at Penn State's offense what do you think they will be able to do or is there anything you think they will be able to do with any kind of consistency to attack Ohio State's defense I think they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit better than we've seen in the past and that's simply because Yes, Ohio State has fantastic defensive linemen, especially along the interior, but they do run a lot of three safety sets, and that takes guys out of the box. And let's think back to that 
West Virginia game. West Virginia, another team that does a lot of three safety looks. Nick Singleton, 5.4 yards per carry. Katron Allen, 5.1 yards per carry. I would kill for 5.1 yards per carry after what we've seen these past few weeks. And I get that's a lot of defenses going out there and saying, okay, Drew Aller, we want you to beat us. We're going to stop the run. But I think it's going to start evening out now with the return of Trey Wallace in the passing game and with Theo Johnson finally looking like he shook off that rust against UMass. Granted, it's UMass. But still, I think the running game is going to be able to get just a few more yards just by nature of what Ohio State runs as its Bates defense. With that being said, I probably don't think they're going to rip off very many 10 to 15 yard runs. But if you give me four yards on second and six, I'll take that every time against this Ohio State defense. And I think Katron Allen is going to have to be the featured back in this game just by nature of what he's been running like lately. And and I, I think Katron Allen can really find a way to move the sticks on those intermediate and especially on those short downs. Yeah, I, I think that the back seven of Ohio State is is good, but there are things that make me raise my eyebrows a little bit. For one, Denzel Burke, uh, one of their starting quarterbacks in concussion protocol, might not be able to play uh, in this game. I I'm, I watch them, and it seems to me like Tommy Eichenberg or Lathan Ransom are the guys making all the plays, which says to <laughs> me, one, they're excellent players, but two, can Penn State attack and put steel chambers uh, put Josh Proctor, uh, sorry, uh, put uh, Davidson Igbenosan in weird, in, in difficult positions. Uh, can they put Sonny Styles or very, very talented and physically imposing defensive back? Someone who I watched, I went to one of his high school games around here, and he is a he is a marble. He can play. Can they put him in situations where he's a little uncomfortable, where he's thinking a little bit, and? Keandre Lambert-Smith able to rip off a big gain here. Trey Wallace and his return being that little bit more of a safety blanket. And then I go back to the Ohio State-Notre Dame game because I think that's a game worth paying attention to for us Penn State fans. Ohio- Notre Dame's top receiver on the game was their tight end Mitchell Evans. Seven receptions, 75 yards. Audric Estime, 14 carries, 70 yards, 5 yards per attempt. Jeremiah Love, 8 carries, 57 yards, 7.1 yards per attempt. I don't think mm-hmm. Penn State is going to be able to rip off a ton of big plays, but I think when we look at what has been consistent for Penn State this year, Matt, an important thing for them is going to be we've been able to get four yards, uh, four and a half yards. Can you get that up to six, six and a half and protect the football and be mm-hmm. able to finish off drives? and keep Ohio State from making any sort of big play on defense, whether it's a sack, whether it's a turnover, and can you keep Ohio State's offense on the field, off of the field? And if Penn State can do all of those things, and it's a really difficult thing to ask of them, I think their offense has it in them to do enough to put to make this a really interesting and tight ball game. I'm glad you called it the tight ends, Bill, because Notre Dame's tight end definitely had a really impressive day against that defense. Penn State has two. They have two tight ends who I think can really create some mismatches. We're all talking about explosive plays like they have to be to to the receivers. And again, with Trey Wallace's return, I think that frees up Keandre Lambert-Smith to be more of a deep threat 
you think back to the last month, Keandre Lambert Smith Myth was more of a chain mover than he was a deep threat. Trey Wallace is a chain mover. That's the guy who I think is going to let Keandre Lambert Smith get deep. But I say all this to say the tight ends, Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, have been phenomenal security blankets for Drew Aller. And I think they're going to be able to find space and gain those 8 to 12 yard intermediate routes and keep the chains moving. I think this is going to be a banner day for both of Penn State's tight ends, frankly, because it has to be, and also just because I think that they're really due to establish themselves, now that Brock Bowers is out, as the best tight end room in college football. And I think they can really make a statement with this game. Yeah, and one thing that I am going to be looking um, looking out for is that when Penn State played, not Penn State, when uh, Ohio State played Michigan last year, one thing that killed them was Ohio State's been really good at not preventing big plays uh, this season. Jim Knowles likes to have sometimes that cover one, one high safety look. Sometimes he likes to go cover zero. And if Keandre Lambert Smith or Trey Wallace just gets behind them one time and you get that one chunk play in the passing game to potentially make them go, we can't do this again. Again, Ohio State's been really good at preventing big plays all season long. I'm just, I, I just wonder if that forces them, we're going to take a step back. We're going to put our safeties back a little bit. And that then opens things up a little bit for underneath passes for the tight ends, for Nick Singleton, for Katron Allen, Rhythm, all that kind of thing. I want to ask Matt about X factors. What are yeah. What is an X factor that you are looking for in this game? Do you want like a specific player or like a battle? Whatever you or want. Where do you want to fall? Whatever here? you want. I think I think Hunter Norris adds an X factor. I think with J.B. Nelson has not been ruled out for this game. I, I, I still cannot believe that he was carted out that Northwestern game. Like I have never seen anything like it. It, it happened for people who don't remember. It didn't happen on the field. He walked to the sideline, sat down, and then next thing I know, he was on a cart on the way off the field. It was a hot day in Evanston that day, but... There was, like, no fanfare. It was crazy. Yeah, and, J- and James Franklin him has, has made it a point to say, like, we don't think JB's out for the year, but he's also been a very James Franklin. He, he's James franklin it up in a big way here where he's refusing to say if JB Nelson's going to be able to play on Saturday. Right, and he should, and he never will, yeah. so that's fine. But Hunter Norzad now becomes, I think, Penn State's third most important offensive lineman behind the two tackles, Olu Fashano and Caden Wallace. Hunter Norzad played some phenomenal football. He's getting like the similar veterans blowout treatment to Olufashanu, where once the game's in hands, they yank him out to keep him fresh and keep him healthy. And I think if Hunter Norzak can go out there and just play slightly better than he did against, or than that entire interior did against John Newton in Illinois, that's going to make Aller's life so much easier. Newton caused so much havoc in that Illinois game that I think that Drew Aller may have a little bit of flashback to that in what ended up being not a very impressive game. So if Hunter Norzak can go out there and keep the defensive tackles from being all that disruptive, that's going to be huge and open up a ton of things for this Penn State offense. So I am going to go with something a little bit weird, and it is penalties. Because Penn State's allowing about 45 penalty yards per game, Ohio... Er, Allow we give me up whatever you want to say, 45 penalty yards per game. Ohio State's at 49.6. But the way they are getting to those penalties are very, very different. Okay. Penn State is committing 4.8 penalties per game, which is 26th nationally. 
Ohio State is committing 6.8 penalties per game, which is 91st nationally. So Penn State a has lot. generally played a little more cleanly than Ohio State has. The issue has been when Penn State commits a penalty, it is a it is a backbreaker. But when Ohio State commits one, it's not something that really kills them. Yards per penalty, mm-hmm. Ohio State is at 7.3 yards per penalty, which is eighth nationally. Penn State is at 9.4 yards per penalty, which is 102nd nationally. Which It's like a whole first down every exactly, penalty. That's crazy. Which basically means Penn State, when they commit penalties, and they commit about five of them per <laughs> game, is basically giving up a first down to the other team. Ohio State, when they commit penalties, they're not nearly as devastating to the Buckeyes. So I'm just Mm -hmm. going to keep an eye on whether or not Penn State is able to to avoid the sorts of penalties that have killed them this season. There have been a couple, I know there have been a couple of unsportsmanlike conducts in there, which, and my guess is that is probably what is um what is swaying this they're Inflate, inflating it yeah, yeah. there one or two against northwestern i think maybe one against illinois i think there was one last week Duh. there was denied dennis sutton's roughing the passer yeah. which i thought was soft yeah yeah but everybody has those calls right, right. and yeah. i want them to be able to play on that very thin line of having an edge and being reckless and if they could do that that's huge ohio state meanwhile <laughs> i want to see if they are able if they are going to commit a bunch of penalties and hand Penn State five yards here, 10 yards here, whatever, if they can make them pay for that. So just a little thing that I'm going to be dog-earing throughout this game, mostly on the Penn State side, because it really is jarring Mm -hmm. how when Penn State commits a penalty, it is a huge, huge, huge problem for them. Uh, Yeah. Let's play Phil. It's a great call-out. Yeah. Let's play Phil in the blank here, Matt. Penn State wins this game if blank. If they control the ball for between 35 and 40 minutes, I will. I think it comes ahead, back to Penn State has to grind down this Ohio State defense that is so talented. Penn State has been in these grinded out games before. This is so foreign to Ryan Day and company. I know they got the win against Notre Dame, but think about for the entire Ryan Day tenure, essentially. It's just been bombs away offense. They've just been able to get a ton of points and do it in really quick fashion. If they're now forced to do that with a first-time quarterback and with a head coach who, I'll be honest, I think can panic when things get out of hand for him considering the conversations around his team right now, that's going to be key for Penn State. They have to control the ball. They cannot turn it over. And if they're able to keep Ohio State off the field and when they're on the field keep them focused on taking those deep shots and let the defensive ends go out there and eat while plays develop I think that's the key to victory I will say Penn State wins this game if they can attack Ohio State for 60 minutes on both sides of the ball and what I mean by that they have to get to Kyle McCord they have to get after Kyle McCord they have to speed him up they have to force him into mistakes and a mistake doesn't necessarily mean a turnover or a sack it could be his footwork just isn't quite right and he bounces a ball or he puts it a little bit higher he doesn't put it in quite the right place if they're able to attack Ohio State's running game and not get gashed if they can avoid the sorts of things that we have seen Penn State gets punished for in the past 
on defense and then on offense if they could just take the game to Ohio State's defense. This is an excellent defense, best one they, I, I think probably the best, most difficult one they have played this season. I think Ohio's Iowa was a little at home, a little more willing to let them move the ball down the field, etc. If they can run this football, if they can run for five, six yards a pop, if the, the offensive line can grind uh, Ohio State down, it, a point that I didn't mention is that Penn State has the most productive second half offense in America. They're averaging 5.2 y- uh, points in the first quarter, 10.4 in the second quarter, and then the third and fourth quarters, 13.2 and 11.8 points. That's 25 points per game in the second half. Best offense in America, and that's considering that Penn State's usually running its twos out there by the time the second half comes along. If they can just wear this Ohio State defense down, and just continuously attack, 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 whether that's in the running game, whether that's Drew Auer playing confidently, not making mistakes, but also completing, you know, making things happen with his arm and with his brain and with his legs that made him a five-star quarterback and someone that Ohio State probably regret and not recruiting right now, Penn State's going to win this game. Let's move to the other side, Matt. Ohio State wins this game if blank. If they force the Penn State offense to commit two turnovers, that's my magic number. Again, Penn State outplayed and outcoached Ohio State in Happy Valley last year. The thing that killed them was the turnovers. I think if you go back to the game in Columbus in 2021, there was the massive fumble scoop and score and then a really bad pick. You take those out, I think Penn State has a really good shot to win that game. It's been the turnovers that's killed them. So if Penn State can limit themselves to just one turnover and if Ohio State doesn't force them to commit more uh, I'm sorry excuse me if Ohio State can force Penn State to commit at least two turnovers then I think it's a problem I will say Ohio State wins if who you play matters and the re- why I say that is because obviously Penn State ha- neither of these teams have really played like a juggernaut of a schedule uh, if you look uh ESPN's FPI, I know I said this on the uh, most recent episode of the podcast, Penn State has played the 112th most difficult schedule in the country. Ohio State has played the 62nd most difficult schedule in the country. But the one game that I am coming back to with Ohio State that gave them something that Penn State just has not been able to have this season was when they went in to South Bend, Indiana, They played a really, really good Notre Dame team in a hostile environment against a team that, as we saw this past week against USC, is capable of reaching some really incredible highs. They were down. They were out. Notre Dame took it to them for 59 minutes and 55 seconds. And then Ohio State, after digging deep and just finding something that only this kind of game can pull out of you, They didn't force any Notre Dame turnovers. Notre Dame was five for 10 on third down. They ran the ball for seven yards per uh, four and a half yards per pop, threw it for seven yards per pop, had it for 35 minutes. They put out the blueprint for Penn State to win this football game. And despite that, Ohio State was able to beat them. And Ohio State was able to play in the kind of, in the kind of college football playoff level game that Penn State just has not played in this year. And if that matters, and if having that experience matters, and if being against, playing against an opponent who can go punch for punch with you, and you just have to find that little something extra to beat you matter to beat them matters, 
then Ohio State is going to win this football game. And now, Matt, time for us to make our predictions. Penn State, Ohio State, Nittany Lions, four-point underdogs as of our recording this on Tuesday night. Total in this game, 46 and a half. Noon, Fox, Gus, Platt, the All-American girl, Jenny Taft, all, all this stuff happening in Ohio Stadium. What's your prediction? Real quick, but how's the weather look? Looks pretty nice, right? Not too shabby. Oh, Football God. weather, 45, me, something like that. Oh, let me pull up my app because I live here. I'm and just I have kidding. To pay I'm just kidding. I'm stuff. just kidding. I'll go. Uh, right, I'll as go. of right now, uh, it says uh, 58 degrees and a 40% chance of rain. It looks like there's going to be rain Thursday, maybe Friday, maybe Saturday. All right, we'll take it. Um, it's the window. I've been banging this drum for a year now. Penn State's a window program. If they're going to get over the hump, it's going to be when things align. This is the best Penn State team I think I've ever seen. I feel confident in that with what they have on paper. If the best Penn State team I can remember can go into Columbus I don't, and win, I don't know who can. So call me a homer. Penn State 20, Ohio State 13. Penn State gets over the hump. They beat Ohio State in a low-scoring affair. And they force Kyle McCord into at least two turnovers to secure a win. Yeah, and uh, two things I forgot to mention uh, while I was going through everything, bringing up the fact that it's Gus and Klatt who are going to be um, calling this game with the world-famous Ohio State Buckeyes, is that uh, Bill Connolly has uh, Ohio State winning 27-22. FPI gives Ohio State a 63.5% chance of winning. Uh I'm going to go with Ohio State. I think the fact that this game is in Columbus is one thing we didn't bring up at any point on this podcast. And there are reasons for this beyond just, well, that's the way it is. Penn State has just not been the same team for long, long stretches on the road this season against two much worse teams in Illinois and Northwestern. And if they can't put together 60 minutes of football, they are not winning this football game. So I need to, I need to see them do that before I am comfortable picking them to win that kind of game. Uh, they just haven't. They had their last test. It was against Northwestern. They ended up passing it. But this is like going from an addition, uh, you know, a test that is checking how good you are at addition to going to an AP Calc exam. So I'm going to say Ohio State wins. I think Ohio State wins something like 20 to 14. I think this is going to be just a brutal, physical football game. And I I hope more than anyone else listening to this pod that I end up being wrong. Like I, I, I certainly sit here, Matt, and say like I could very easily see a situation where Penn State wins this game. I just think it is such a big step up for them from what they have played so far to what is waiting for them on Saturday in terms of team, in terms of talent, in terms of environment that like, I just struggle to say full-throatedly Penn State's winning this football game. Yeah, and I think you and I got there in pretty similar ways. I think we both see a defensive slugfest I just think I feel better about James Franklin, Mike Yurcich, and Drew Aller taking care of the football 
than I do with Ryan Day, Brian Hartline, and Kyle McCord taking care of the football. Again, it's always going to come back to turnovers with me. That's the key to this game. I think defense travels really well. I think the defense is going to do their part. It's on the offense, and it's on the five-star kid from Ohio, the first five-star quarterback at Penn State in a decade, to go out there and, frankly, figure it out. So let me let me ask you something because I am interested yeah. in in your thoughts here. Uh when you look at uh give me give me one second. I'm trying to look for look for what I'm uh okay. So when you look at giveaways per game, Penn State zero point mm-hmm. six giveaways per game, Ohio State one giveaway per game, they are essentially just as good at one another at not turning the ball over. So what is it mm-hmm. you think about Penn State or maybe you say you you trust Penn State to do Penn State's brain trust more than you trust Ohio State's brain trust and not turn the ball over. What is it that makes mm-hmm. you think Ohio State has turnovers them Ohio State's going to turn the ball over or Penn State is less likely to turn the ball over than another team that has been very very good at not turning the ball over. I mean the way that they play. We're all frustrated with Penn State because they don't take deep shots. When you throw it deep, there is an element of luck that goes in there when that ball leaves your hand. It could be underthrown. It could be batted. Penn State's offense is built around high percentage, low risk throws, and it's been wildly efficient. Again, this team is, I think, second in the country right now in terms of time of possession behind a service academy. Penn State just values keeping that football, and they call their offense to where keeping the football in your offense's hands is a priority. Ohio State's offense hasn't really turned the ball over, and I honestly think, frankly, part of it is because they haven't played a defense and a secondary as good as Penn State's. I just think that the way Penn State is going to call this game is more conducive to taking care of the football than the one Ohio State's going to call because okay. that's just the way the offenses are right now. Interesting. I, I, I'm, I, I, it's weird for me because I, again, it kind of goes to I have to see it before I believe it. McCord has been. You know, for all intents and purposes, he's been just as good as Drew Aller at not turning the ball over. He threw an interception in the first game of the season against Indiana. He hasn't thrown an interception since then. He's, I don't know exactly when he threw the, threw a pick against IU, but it, it, it's just, it seems to me, uh, uh, he threw that pick on his third drive of the game. And, and he, oh, I remember now, he threw it on a fourth and two just trying to make something happen, did end up getting it, whatever. So th- that that's what's difficult for me because I just don't know how... I, I don't want to say I don't know how. I just think Ohio State is probably as good at Penn, as Penn State at not making those kinds of mistakes, partly because of that and partly because if you're just hucking the ball into the general vicinity of Marvin Harrison Jr., that seems like a pretty good way to not make a mistake. Yeah, but Penn State, I think, has brought it back down to earth now with the way the offense is now compared to what it was, frankly, last year, where they weren't on even playing field in terms of taking care of the football. I think they're not only on even playing field, Penn State gives them a bit of an advantage. And again, ball control is program control. So take care of the football, and and I think they're going to win the game if they can do that. So my my final score is going to be 20 to 13, Penn State. Any uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up this pod? And uh, this is not the, I should say it now, this is not, uh, the last time you're going to hear uh, a uh, a podcast about this game. We're going to have one of our friends from the website Meet at Midfield come over here a little bit later in this week uh, and give us 
kind of the behind enemy lines look forward to a little bit more about the Ohio State side of things and um and, and you know maybe maybe make it seem a little bit more like we know what we're talking about so any final thoughts that you have Matt uh I feel confident Tyler Warren is going to make a play or two to further cement his first overall pick status in this game should should I now say the thing that like my big fear about this game that I said to you before we started podcasting, and I know the people are going to hate it. I don't put it out there. Don't, don't put, put it, it out, out okay. there. Uh, it makes me so anxious. Yeah. Um. I won't say exactly what. Put it, it out there. I don't okay. care. Yeah. Put it out there. I don't care. If Ohio State has the ball with a chance to win this game in the final ninety seconds or so, like I just have this vision, and I pray to God this vision doesn't come true that Julian Fleming is going to be the guy who ends up making the big play. And if Julian Fleming drives the stake in the heart of Penn State, God almighty, like, I like I just don't know if I will be able to get out of bed on Sunday, which I will have to do because I'm uh, babysitting uh, my nephew on Sunday, and I really do need to uh, be um, a person be for, that. for that. Uh, but yeah, Fleming has not caught his last touchdown pass came on October 22nd last year against Iowa. He has not caught a touchdown since then. Hasn't caught one last year. Hasn't caught one down the stretch last year. And Matt, do you know who Penn State's, uh, Ohio State's first game was after they played Iowa last year? I'm guessing it was Penn State. It was State. Penn State. So, like, bad juju. I hate it. I apologize <laughs> for saying this. I apologize for... Well, the good news is McCord dropped back to pass on that final play and was sacked by Chubb Robinson. God, I hope so. Uh, yeah, that's it for uh, today's episode of the pod. Of course, again, make sure you're looking out for what we're going to be having uh, coming a little bit later this week. Thank you, as always, for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. Make sure you're subscribing wherever you go uh, to get your podcast. If you're using Apple Podcasts, please go use a five-star review. If you're using Spotify, you leave us uh, five stars over there. Use that Q&A feature so we can hear from you, get some questions from you, have back and forths with all of you. That sort of thing. Make sure you're following us over on our Twitter account at RLR blog. Head over to YouTube, hop into the comments section, have some fun talking ball with some other folks over there. Uh, and yeah, I know we always get some uh, enemy fan engagement. If you're an Ohio State fan and you think you're wrong, let us know. I mean, we're just we're just two guys who just happen to like talking about college football. So let us know your thoughts. Yeah, and, We'd love and, to hear and, from you guys. Uh, if you are an Ohio State fan, um, please don't post my address on the internet because I don't live too far from any of you. Uh, and finally, thank you as always uh, to our friends over at Homefield Apparel for sponsoring this edition of the pod. Again, for first-time customers, use the promo code RLR23 for 15% off of your first order. One last time, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Roar Lions Roar. From Matt Filippovitz, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Go State.